If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 453 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka the pod god, lord of Twitter, the the legend. And it's your favorite podcast today because East Spencer Kite has joined me and we are going to do the state of the UFC. And Spencer, what a state it's in, as we'd, as we'd say here. Right? We were just chatting briefly before, and the fighting is probably in a pretty good state. There's some really good fights coming up, and we will get to all of them and loads of the fighters here in a second. But uh, let's start off. Maybe, we, we usually start these very positively and are very positive throughout them, but God almighty, like this whole Sean Strickland, John Anik insanity it's it's hard to be part of that, isn't it? And like sit back, sit idly by and watch it without saying something. And I went a bit overboard maybe on Twitter there, but I feel like I had to. What's, I, 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 I want to get your feelings on it because I feel like we, we probably feel the same. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm I'm sure we feel the same. Obviously, you have a great relationship with John and, and the Anakin Florian podcast. Um, I have a great relationship with John and tweeted out yesterday that like hearing him say, I don't know how much longer I want to do this. As I said yesterday, absolutely breaks my heart and is sadly a thing that makes a whole lot of sense to me because he's just out there doing his job. He's out there calling the action, giving his opinions, other athletes, other um, broadcasters, other commentators are giving their opinions of how the fight should be scored. And there's just this wave of people that don't like what is being said and can't just say, Hey, I don't like that. It becomes so much more and it's just gross. Um, I think it would be an absolute shame to lose John Anik. I think everybody understands that to lose John Anik from this industry. I saw a bunch of people say, Hey, if you run away, then they win. And it's like, yeah, it's not on him to, to stay here and fight this battle. This is a collective thing. And if we lose John as a, as a casualty of this, then we all screwed up because we need to protect guys like that and support guys like that and help guys like that and get out here pushing back against the idiocy that seems to be slowly creeping in and getting louder and louder in this, in this space, because there is a lot of good. John's not the only, like, as he said in that little clip that made the rounds yesterday, Kenny Florian scored a Fredrickus Duplessis. Demetrius Johnson scored it for Drekus Duplessis. I scored it for Drekus Duplessis. Like, loads of people. And if we lose the best broadcaster we have as a result, we we should never forgive ourselves. And so we need to just push back against the idiocy 
everybody can say, ah, just get off social media. It's a thing most of us in this industry have to do. Like, do you think any of us would want to subject ourselves to this stuff if we didn't have to? And I don't get it anywhere near as bad as even yourself, yet alone, John. Because thankfully, I'm just little old me that people don't seem to give much of a shit about, which is great. I've come around to appreciating the fact that people don't give a shit because I don't have to deal with any of this nonsense. But like, if we didn't have to be out here putting our stuff out, trying to showcase the work that we are doing, all of us would be gone. And it's easy to say, ah, don't look at your DMs, don't check your mentions, things like that. But you miss the good stuff if you don't. Unfortunately, there's a lot more negative stuff these days, and it feels like it's growing. A hundred percent. Like, to say it to someone like myself or yourself, not to check our mentions, don't read the comments, that's, that's part of our job. Like, our part of our job is to stay up to date with, what, with what's going on, to stay up to date with what our audience wants and all of that. The problem is, right, I feel like our audience is being overtaken by this small minority of absolute cunts. And... I, I will go to my grave believing they are not reflective of the reality of actual people, right? Just as, like, the fucking, the, the, the over-leftists, you know, are, are not reflective either. Just the vast majority of people are just normal fucking human beings. And there, I, someone was saying to me on Twitter last night, oh, you're not normal. Sean Strickland's a normal. It's like, no, that's just that's just not the case. Like, yeah. I, I know normal just, people. Like, I don't think anybody has ever made the argument that Sean Strickland is, uh, he is normal and he is. <laughs> it's, yeah, Sean himself will tell you he's not normal. I can assure you of that. It's crazy. Like, it, I, I think... I think the point you were making there, though, all right, about the abuse and everything, and there's always, look, there's always going to be a bit of, not necessarily even abuse, but, like, criticism, or, like, if you watch a show, right, and you think, we'll take John Anik as an example, right, you think John Anik is a terrible commentator, and you tweet, John, oh, Jesus, John Anik again, I can't believe it, that's your opinion, like, I do that about fucking DC every week, or, you know, Dominic Cruz recently, you can have that opinion, the problem is, right, and I, uh, you know, I've had a bit of this, re- a lot of this recently as well, and I scored a fight for Sean Strickland, so I don't know why I'm getting it, I should be their fucking darling, but, like, People, like, someone literally replied to me, is like, oh, I, I thought you were a pedophile. Or, like, just people are replying, like, homo in the replies. Like, oh, yeah. um, like, uh, just it's, over it's and just over and over. A, it's crazy. Like, what? Like, it's just gone to a different... It's no longer about fighting. It's no longer about opinions, as you said. There's room for that. There's certainly room for... There's even room for... You don't know what you're talking about. Why does someone pay you to write for any of these sites that you write for? Yes. A hundred percent have your opinion. But when you start making it hateful and vile and demeaning and accusatory, then we're getting into that's not okay territory. And I think that's where this has gone and it needs to stop. And, And all of us collectively need to do whatever we can to shield people from it keep it away from from what we're doing and and lift those people up because it's hard man it's tough you show up and and you're doing your job and a legion of people decide to call you any number of ungodly things i wouldn't want to stick around either it's it's tough like 
I am one of those people who see it all all the time and I've had it for years. You know, every time I put out a video, every, it's, you know, there's like, what's this fat idiot doing talking about MMA? You shouldn't, you know, you should be in the gym, not sitting at your computer, like all the time, which like, I've, I'm used to it now. Like if, if I let all of that affect me, I wouldn't, I, I would hide away and I wouldn't do it. And I, you know, I just wouldn't do it. So like the people out there saying like, oh, you're soft. Like the people who've been doing it for years and years have had it for years and years and have been dealing with this for years and years and like basically haven't complained for years and years like I've my my missus sometimes she I'd show her like a comment and she'd like be deeply affected by it be like why the fuck are, like why are these people saying these and I'd be, I'd be like oh that's funny or whatever and I'd be kind of laughing at it because I've had it for so many years but you see like some members of your family would like read through the comment section would be like, what, how do you do this? Like, how do you cope with this day by day? Even for me, like, I imagine John Anik with like, like a thousand times the amount of followers I have. Like, it's, it's absolutely insane. What do you, and like, <laughs> do you know who gets it bad as well? The fucking judges and referees and all the amount of abuse that they get. Yeah. Like the fighters are actually, in this case, get it way less than most people, right? Way less yeah. than, than, than than most people. Because it's it, it's it's not and I don't mind, right, the abuse, right? I don't I actually don't mind someone coming on and going, Why is this fat idiot giving his opinion? I don't care about his opinion. That is I understand that no problem if that is your opinion Grant but this stuff of just like coming on calling you a pedophile and saying that you're you know like uh, all just all this crazy stuff these people have no care for the sport these people don't even like you know Sean Strickland they don't know about the score they don't know about John Anik they don't know about any of that all they're there to do is cause havoc and spew this fucking gunk and it's just taking over everything in MMA at the moment and it's I, I it's not that I can't cope with it or it's not it's actually not affecting me very much I don't, just literally couldn't give a fuck about it it's just like encapsulating everything like I enjoyed going on Twitter and looking at dimensions and seeing what people are saying and have a bit of a back and forth with people and like that's just gone they haven't they haven't like made it a bad experience for me because i couldn't give a bollocks but they've just kind of taken away something that used to be good and it's very annoying it's not not annoying it's just like i wish they would just go away yeah yeah it's just gross they've parachuted in to just spew hatred and vile vile garbage and it's gross and like not that this sport is you know this pristine immaculate wonderful thing there's always going to be things to be critical of. There's always unseemly things happening. Every sport, every industry, everything. But we've just got this pocket of people that have taken over and are louder and more prominent, especially on social media, than than before. And it's, yeah, it's it's tough to take, man. It's tough to see. It's tough to hear. It's tough to see J.A. sit there and say, look, I'm 45 and I don't want to be doing this this shit very much longer if it's going to be like this so yeah, shouts to John Anik as always we love you we support you 100%. we're here for you 100%. And, and like anyone long term listeners of this podcast I've said a similar thing before to be honest like and it's it, there's a lot of bad people in MMA there have been a lot of bad people in MMA for a very very long time this is they, 
bad people in MMA is nothing new. This is very new. Like, and I, I just want to mention this as well, and we will get into the, the UFC division by division in a second. But when we talk about the state of the UFC, I feel like this stuff is just percolating throughout the whole UFC at the moment. It's impossible to watch it or consume it online without being dragged by this. But I, I posted some yesterday on Twitter, and you, like, you were one of the people that was around, you know, could be before me probably even. I started watching around 2006, you know, when the sport at that stage was, what, 12, 13 years of age, was still kind of looking for recognition especially as well here in Ireland like how many years after that fucking 10 years after that nearly we went through that as well you know where we were talking about MMA as not fucking human cockfighting and it's an actual sport like we had I, I watched the, the Dr. Phil episode again last night or bits of it where uh, it was Forrest Griffin and Kenny Florian were on with Dana White and they were in their suits and they were trying to like act like they were real professional and they were real professional athletes absolutely are but like we they tried to give off a good aura about MMA like I went on a hundred different radio interviews and stuff and tried to talk about it as a sport and I had to answer questions like is MMA a sport and all this and like deep down I'm kind of like no it's not but sometimes you just you had to but like we were fighting that fight back in the day like people fighting that fight before me they were still fighting that fight when I came along and then I had to kind of fight that fight myself when MMA started to take over in Ireland and now there's people coming on and go oh why, are, why is MMA changing <laughs> why, when did MMA go soft when do we start to act like like we've been acting this way the whole time you just came along and started to act like a cunt what, what are you talking about can you can you confirm that as well like this is not just I, me saying I can this. indeed confirm that it is a bunch of people that have shown up lately and been like I mean, the I hate even mentioning his name, but the one that that really kind of sparked it for me this week was Tim Pool posting something about it should be no rounds, no nothing, fight to the end, and it's like, brother, we had that, and they banned it. it was so boring. It was, it was <laughs> so course. boring. At at points, it was so boring, and it was also like no rules and and wild shit could happen. We've been trying to get this thing into an actual state of being a sport-ish. Go away. Go away. We've been doing this for, for 30 years now. Go away. You can't come in now and tell us what you think it should be because your avatar lost a decision. You don't even understand any of this. You are just his, his tweet was the perfect encapsulation of this to me. You know nothing about this sport. You've probably never watched it before this week. You saw Sean Strickland go off on his vile diatribe in Toronto and decided this is our guy. And then when he lost, it became a perfect moment for you to stand up and go, look at what they do to us. This is, this is how it always is. They, they're trying to hold us back. All these numbers say we won. Look at all these numbers. They're bigger than the other guy's numbers. And that's what sports is, isn't it? The bigger number wins. Not this sport, homeboy. And go the fuck away. Just go away. Stay away. Yeah. It is pretty And if you really like it, if you really like it and you really want it to be different, Tim Pool, watch next weekend. Watch next weekend and give me your thoughts on Roman Delize versus Nasruddin Imovov. God, I wouldn't even subject him to that now. <laughs> 
I'm middleweight fight. No, Joe. Here's one last fight I want to make. Give me, we, give me two weeks. Jack Hermanson and Joe Pfeiffer. Oh God Almighty! Uh, the late great Joe Pfeiffer is that? <laughs> that in it? Just, did you see that? Buzz? He calls Joe Rogan the late great Joe Rogan. The late I great love, Joe I, Rogan. I love yeah. that so much. But uh, do you know what? One last point I want to make. I I proportion a bit of the blame here to people who have um, talked about this Jake Paul stuff and have really allowed that to become part of our sport and have slowly just degraded, you know, it's as real as it gets. MMA, you know, have, have like... And, and and like I know people always love boxing, so what people talking about like, oh, I want to see, uh, you know, I want to see people go box. I want to see, like, wait, are we? Why are we? Why do we hate MMA now? Like, why? Why do we? Why do we hate MMA? Like us hating MMA and other people hating MMA. Like it's just everybody hates MMA now. It's and it's it's not just that part of it, but like bringing in this Jake Paul stuff is just bringing in nonsense. Is bringing in a guy who is like just says stuff. And gets a reaction and gets social clout because of it. That is exactly what these people are doing, but just in the vile, most disgusting way fucking possible. Just like senseless abuse. And I, I think a lot of the people who have, you know, covered Jake Paul and who have made him a part of this sport are really at at fault here. Are at, and people as well who have like talk to Colby non non-stop and it's not just Colby like I, I say Colby example because he is a character and he's not a real person like I would never interview Colby Covington like just absolutely no interest whatsoever in interviewing a character like that and if I did I would refuse to inter- interview the character even if it only went fucking 20 seconds of an interview it, it that that would be it like like I I I, I fucking listen, listen. You're speaking my language here, and we need a whole nother podcast. This right here is we do, this yeah. feels speaker's corner. <laughs> you, do. me, Harry Powell. Yes, I, I like sit it. down and we'll, okay. we'll, we'll have this conversation. <laughs> Let's do it because uh, because this is a thing I've been harping on for for a while. You're not going to see major outlets that cover Premier League, that cover the NBA, that cover whatever sport it is. Major outlets, prominent figures diving into the gossip, the nonsense, the drama, the idiocy. Why do we do it here? Why do we spend so much time on it here? We are courting the lowest common denominator. We are courting other people to come in and say, and it's weird, right? You said it there kind of like us hating on it and then other people. Well, what do we expect if the thing we're putting out is that all of this is garbage and nobody likes it and all these fights are crap and all of these people, the fights have been to my knowledge and we'll get it to my opinion, sorry. And we'll get into this surely. The last couple of years have been the best action we've seen inside the octagon. The overall level of talent, I would say is overall level of skill and talent is greater than it's ever been in the history of the sport. The gaps between best and not best are wider than they've ever been as well. But like, if we, the people that champion this sport, can't be out here championing this sport, this is what's going to happen. We have helped create this. And so yeah. we got to do better to protect this thing that we actually love. Because if we didn't love it, we wouldn't still be around here doing it. And we got to protect the people that we love that do it. And so that's on us. That is true. That is true. Although at the same time, you have like, 
it is also our, resp- our responsibility to tell the truth, whether it's good or bad. A hundred percent. There's nothing the wrong with being critical. Mm-hmm. But if we're just always out here saying this is trash and showing off the people that, as you said, are characters or it's just the gossip, it's just the drama, it's just the nonsense. Then nobody's going to look at this and take it seriously as a sport. That's we so care true. about these athletes yeah. the way that we care about com- the way we care about athletes in other sports. And I, yeah, and last we'll move on, but I, I couldn't agree more with what you said there. Like, there's a, there's a, a proportion of people covering the sport that only care about that drama. And like, if you ask them to break down the fight that happened at the weekends, they, you know, they, they probably, they might have read it off the Sherdog play by play or something, and that's all. <laughs> you know, they have no interest in it. Anyway, let's move on. Let's go division by division. State state of UFC right now, pretty shit in conclusion. <laughs> Let's move on to the actual fights. I, I like I agree with you what you said there as well about the top level of the sport. I think in kind of a macro level, we are at a real weird time in MMA at the moment. I think we're at like a time where the uh the known uh how would you put it, known skill sets are very uh, easily accessible worldwide and at the very top level we're having a lot more close fights but I don't necessarily think a lot more great fights at the same time like last year was very hard to pick of uh, a second, third, fourth and fifth fight of the year after Volkanovski versus uh, versus Makashev but at the same time that's just natural I think in two or three years time that will adjust so I don't, I don't necessarily agree that MMA is as good as it's ever been I think the skills I agree with you have been as good as they've ever been but I think we need it needs to do this if it was if it didn't do this we'd probably be in trouble but that's uh, again a speaker's corner discussion for another day let's start at heavyweight because like okay. this Tom Aspinall Jones Stephen <laughs> thing, I think I have a different opinion than most people have it although although my prediction that people might turn in a little bit I think has come through a little bit and I think Tom Aspinall has realised that as well and is backing off a bit because it was coming becoming a bit crybaby-ish even though I think most people would agree Aspinall you know is is right there and this is bullshit the, the John Steepest stuff leaving it go on so long and all that although I do want to see that fight I do like that fight I think both of them are legends and especially Steepa deserves way more respect than he's been given so that's my take what's your take on the whole situation so I I feel for Tom Aspinall a great deal because he is in an absolutely impossible position. And I think a lot of the chattering and tweeting and whatever is out of character, but it's a necessity because closed mouths don't get fed. And if he just sits there quiet, people aren't going to talk about the interim champion who stepped up on three weeks notice, took the fight that no one wanted. Sergey Pavlovich was a guy that no one wanted to share the cage with. We talked going into that event before John Jones pulled out that these two lads are going to fight. The winner is going to be the undisputed champion. And then they're both going to say so long because nobody wants to mess with this crop of fools that are coming up, ready to smash through these mid 30 to 40 year old dudes that hobble out to cage side as Stipe did looking like he just got off riding horseback for 15 years. And so I feel bad for Tom because he's, he's claimed the golden ticket that right now they're telling him is more kind of like a silver ticket. Just sitting where you, you may need to fight one more time to, to really get that thing that most everybody that is in your position gets. And so I feel for him 
the other part of it, and he and I spoke towards the end of December, I get that he's just a competitor and he just want, like he said to me, it's, it, I don't have anything against John. There's it, none of it is personal. I don't like that. They say there's someone out there that can beat me. And I want to see if it's true because I think I'm the best and I want to fight the best. And so it makes perfect sense. I totally hear what you're saying about John and Stipe both being legends and Stipe certainly for what he's done in his career deserves more credit and respect than he tends to get. He hasn't fought in three years. He hasn't fought in three years. He's 41 years old. The last time we saw him, he got knocked out in the second round. By who? By who? At, 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 at what point? I mean, listen, Francis Ngannou is an absolute uh, who juggernaut he, uh, and an absolute, who he has beaten. And an, ab, and an absolute monster who he has beaten 100%. But if we are just doing the like, right, but remember when, you could make a case for Daniel Cormier being in the title mix right now. Yeah, well, if he was around, he probably would be. <laughs> you he know, probably you know? would be sad. That's, Sadly, he probably would. But like, would. I'm, I'm not I arguing. Mean, it, it, it feels a little bit like, and, and we'll get to these guys later, but it feels like a little bit, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, Mavsari Vloyev or someone who controls his account tweeted something out along the lines of like, it's 2040, Brian Ortega hasn't fought in four years and he's still in the top five. And it's like, that's what it feels like, is that we're just holding this place of, Stipe gets this thing and I get it, but I also want to see the division move forward because I'm really excited by the group that's behind this twosome at the top that we all know and we all expect to fight and then sail off into the distance. I, the one argument I would make, right, is so uh, Jones versus Miocic was supposed to happen there oh, well, like two or three months ago, right? And on that day, uh, instead, Aspen won the interim title. Okay. You said we bought, we expected both of them to retire, whoever won. Look, Jones probably would have won, and I, do, I'm, I don't think he would have retired. I certainly don't think he would have retired immediately. So, if if that no, happened, I think right, you would. I think you would have hung around and dragged this out yes. until they were like, so, fine, face one of these monsters, yes. and then he would have been like, you know what? I'm good. So that's my point. If that had happened, where would Tom Aspinall be now? He actually would be behind where he is right now because he wouldn't be the interim champion. He'd probably be matched up with Seal Gan or Curtis Blades or something. Probably would have had to fight one of these dudes, yeah, 100%. And and then he might have had to fight John Jones later on or Brock Lesnar might come back or whoever else might be around. Daniel Cormier might come back and none of it might happen. So Tom Aspinall is actually in a better position now than he ever could have hoped for. Certainly. His his rise got accelerated. So his, I don't know why he's complaining. Why, why is he complaining so? Because he wants to fight. He doesn't yeah. want to just sit here so and, there. and do nothing. There's a possibility. Well, and this is the thing, right? So this is this is the dilemma that he is facing. And as I said, he and I spoke about it. On one hand, he wants to fight. He doesn't want to sit out for however long this is going to be. We we don't officially know when John is coming back. The idea is summer but fine. So he doesn't want to sit out until next November and be a year on the shelf and not compete. But at the same time, he goes out and faces Cyril Gan, loses that fight. And now he's lost his spot in line because after taking the fight, no one wants and beating the guy that nobody wanted to face, he had to go out and do more. It's uh, a, it's it, a real tough position. Mm-hmm. Like I, as I said, I feel for him. 
I, I don't really. I think if he doesn't, I think they should, <laughs> honestly, I think they should offer him Silgan. If he doesn't take it, I would strip him of the interim belt and put Silgan in there with someone else for the interim belt. What's the interim belt for? Is to keep the division going while John Jones is injured. Like, I don't think anyone, forget the Miotis thing for a second, right? I don't think anyone would disagree with this happening if it was so, just but John that's never been the way that it's, that's never been the way that it works. Save has, for a couple yeah. people. Save fear for Hennon Barrow when Dominic Cruz was on that's the shelf the way it for a while. He be. defended it. He defended it twice. I don't disagree with you that it's the way it should be, that it should just keep going. And whoever has that thing gets the fight when it comes up. But when precedent is set that that's not the way it is, you don't want to be the first poor bastard that they say, okay, we're changing things. Now you've got to continually defend your spot in line. That's, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right because most the, most, so the, 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 and I talked about this recently on Twitter, the mix up people are making there is that they make an interim dial for someone that's going to be out for fucking three months and then they're back after three <laughs> months and then they just make the fight like that's fine that's going to happen I, like do you need an interim dial then probably not. well you probably do if you're Shemaev right so he fights Usman they promised the winner at the middleweight dial fight and now Adesanya looks like he's getting it so like that's why you want an interim but if you're going to be out for 10 months like John Jones or you know and John Jones is 36 or 7 years of age or whatever he is now 10 months could easily turn into 14 months could in, turn into 18 months you like that's why the belt needs to be there, exactly like when Dominic Cruz is out. So if there's no point of having an interim belt, well, they had the interim belt because they wanted to fill up a spot. But now that you have it, I think you should use it just because they've used them badly before. I don't think we just, we have to like, oh, now we need to always use them badly. I think we need to use them correctly now on. But anyway, it probably won't happen. That, He'd probably that, out. that would be lovely. Mm-hmm. But 15 of the 23 interim champions just went on to get undisputed title shots next. That's, well, that's grand, yeah. Man, he might too. And, if then, he, and, then, if he three beats, got, and then three got stripped if he, <laughs> without yeah, doing yeah, anything. There you go. If he beats Silgani, he absolutely very well might get a, a, I mean, a, I think shot. I think there's as good a chance as Tom Aspinall just being promoted and elevated to Undisputed later this year yeah. as there is also him defending can, the interim title. Can you ever remember a fighter being as highly touted as Tom Aspinall ever in the history of the sport? I can't. I don't think so. Like people, there was a, someone put up a poll yesterday. Who do you think could win, John Jones or Tom Aspinall? And like seventy percent of people said Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall fought no one. Like he's a good fighter. He fought Pavlovich, who's you know almost knocked him out, and then you know got hit, you know, and and finished himself. He fought no one else really. He's you know he went in there with blades, and he he his knee blew out in twenty seconds. Like and it's not. I'm I'm not shitting on him, and not saying he's a bad fighter, but he has not. Nor near proven he's good enough to beat John Jones yet. Now he might beat John Jones, but for seventy percent of people to say he could beat John Jones is insanity to me. Like, and I, I, do you know what? It's insanity to me, but I love it. Like, I, I yeah. wish more people would get behind <laughs> fighters it's like the, this. It's the thing I love about ascending talents, right? One of my things for this year, and I think we're going to see it a lot this year. We've got some fights coming up in February that are very much that Joe Pfeiffer versus Jack Hermanson. To a greater extent, Ian Machado Gary against Jeff Neal. Ilya Tapuria against Alexander Volkanovsky. We don't know where the ceiling of those gentlemen stand. And I cannot wait to find out. Tom Aspinall fits that 100%. You are correct. I don't, I'm not taken away from anything that he's done. Beaten Alexander Volkov with a straight arm bar in London. Very good win. Not the same level as beating 
a world champion or even beating Cyril Gaon, Curtis Blades, one of those dudes. Same with Pavlovich. It's a very, very good win. He is a dangerous fighter. I think he is an absolute monster at times. I love that 70% of people think he can beat John Jones right now. I'm probably part of that group and I really want to see it. I really want to see it. That's, that's ultimately my frustration. The same as Tom's. I just want to find out. I just want to know. Yeah. I'm, I, I see. I don't that much. <laughs> to be honest, I, like, I, I probably oh, do. I, I know if, really? he, if he went in there and beat gang and beat blades, or beat Jolton Almeida, beat it to like to then I would want to see it. Like I just feel like. But it, don't you think he beat? Don't you think he beats those guys? Not Almeida. No, I I think Jolton Almeida is the boogeyman in that division. I think he beats them all. Oof. John Jones included. Maybe. See him. <laughs> I got full fucking. See, and I would say that about Aspinall. Yeah, so, I would I, say I, that I, about Aspinall. I, I I literally just said that off the cuff, but. I suppose that's something we will find out. And look, we've, we've, we've talked enough yeah. about heavyweight now, and I think we all know the contenders coming up anyway. So let's talk about light heavyweight. Um, I like light heavyweight is, is an interesting division. Um, <laughs> is it's it just such a weird division? <laughs> I, I was looking at it the other day. Someone sent me a question in the Q&A, and they're like, how would you match it up? And I was like, half of these lads are like injured and out for 10 months and in her back and then uh, did fight for the title and then relinquished the title and then fought for inter- no, fought for a full title and then it was a draw and I, I don't like who the fuck is where yeah. and what I don't know can you start it out in, is it going to be Jamal Hill versus Alex Pereira is that what's going to happen I think that's probably what ends up happening um, I thought there would be the possibility of Alex Pereira challenging for the heavyweight title um, or the interim heavyweight title, that would have been a real interesting wrinkle. Um, I think he's always game to fight. I know he doesn't like sitting out for extended periods of time. But again, Jamal Hill got injured last summer. And so an Achilles injury is generally 9 to 12 months. And so could he be back for the summer? Could he be back for International Fight Week? Maybe. Do you want to have... Alex Pahea on the sidelines for that long of a period, won the title in November. Do you want to keep him out until the summer, maybe even late summer? Maybe not. So if Jamal Hill isn't ready, I think you now finally have a Ankalaev performance that you can roll out there as, well, this is the dominant, devastating highlight reel finish where he absolutely blew up the face of Ireland's own Johnny Walker. You could do Brazil's, that fight. Brazilian. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see how that works. Canadian. You could do that fight. It's interesting to me, but your overall assessment is right. This division is littered with people that have either had the belt, fought for the belt, got close and faltered. Like I'm happy that Alexander Rakic is coming back, but it's been two years since we saw him and it got, it started out really interesting and then it got kind of boring. And so I don't know what we're going to get with him. He's an interesting dude to throw back into this mix, but let's see what he looks like against Yuri Prohashka and then figure it out from there. I would say, and that, that's a good breakdown of it. I would say there's only two people, and that's been a little bit harsh, in the top 10 who you could kind of say you know what they're doing at the moment in terms of like the run they've been on. One of them is Alex Pereira, obviously 
putting on. I, I said at the end of the year last year, like I, I don't think we blow up Alex Pereira for like what he's done in such a short time. You know, it's incredible. <laughs> it's crazy. But it's crazy. I, I think two years. It, madness. Absolute madness. The other one I mentioned in a second, Ankelaev. I was going to gloss over him there. I think he's win the last. It was fantastic. It's just as you said, as well, with the draw on with the no contest, it was all a bit weird as well. Right, Khalil Roundtree is the other one for me. Like I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Khalil. I just I like him as a fighter. He's a bit of a mad bastard as well. Like uh, you know him in a big fight. You know going to that next level, holding that hammer of God over Anthony Smith. <laughs> exactly that. Like he, I feel like he is the sort of guy that like okay they need to be getting behind him give him give him one of those you know one of the lads rackets or someone coming off of a big win get him to that position and, and let's go from there um so, so like the, the light heavyweight as well I was looking through it there there are some like good up and comers but not a whole lot like the likes of Kennedy and Juku and um you know lots of do you know what that happens in light heavyweight lots of lads lose and then we yeah. think, uh, kind of like write them off for a second, but then they win like three in a row, and suddenly they're like seventh ranked, and like it's it's just hard to put that division together. I, I, I mean, Khalil is a perfect example of that. Nikita mm-hmm. Krilov early in his career, a perfect example of that. Um, as far as ascending and haven't faltered yet, you essentially have two guys, right? Vitor Petrino, who's very young in his career, and then Azamat Mirzakhanov, who is. I believe like 33, 34 years old. Yes, years. he's undefeated. He's three and zero in the UFC, but like has has fallen out of a couple of fights with Roundtree over the last year. And as I said, is thirty four years old. So it's not like he's this young emerging talent that we're going to see dynamic performances from. And so we need to get figuring some of this stuff out. And it might just be a matter of. Khalil Roundtree has timed things really well to go on a run and start putting it together and going to get himself ideally a bigger opportunity, a top five, top seven opportunity. And if he wins that with style points, make a case for him being in the mix just to get something fresh. And it also feels like Pereira will be happy enough to defend his title. And even let's let's say if he was to lose to Jamal Hill, so would he. So like, let's say if Ankalaev yeah. is next after that. I don't think we're going to have like the heavyweight situation of where we're waiting out for 18 no. months for that. I think it could be, you know, more like eight months or uh, 10 months or something like that. So I mean, I don't, I don't even know if it'll be that much. I think we are going to get into a cycle here, ideally, where at least every six months this belt is on the line. I also think we could get back to that Rampage Jackson, Forrest Griffin, Rashad Evans sort of period where it was just changing hands and ticking over every fight, every other fight, because there isn't somebody that stands out head and shoulders above everyone else. Alex Pahez looked absolutely terrific in his two years as a UFC fighter, but we all agree that there's holes. We all agree that there are avenues to potentially beating him. Now we haven't seen anybody effectively wrestle him into oblivion yet. So right now it's just a theoretical idea, but you could see it happening. That guy would probably be Ankalaev, but we've also seen him go out there and make a make an absolute mess of things. And so this could be like the chaos entertaining division for this year. I feel like the 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 former description you made there of light heavyweight could be the same for middleweight. I think like apart like apart from Adesanya, I think like if you were to look, let's forget about Shamaya for a second, but you were to look through that whole division all the way down until. 
I would say even Fluffy Hernandez, Cobahalio, kind of guys that are are coming up and could become that. I think Adesanya is like by far and away the most talented of all of those guys. Someone asked me in the Q&A last week, if one person was to go on a run and have three title defences at middleweight, who do you think it'd be? And I said it to Adesanya. And like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Adesanya yeah. had just lost. And like, he, I, I, you know, everyone knows my opinion on Adesanya. I don't think he's the best fighter in the world, but in middleweight's the worst division in the world. And he's the best middleweight in the world, in my opinion. Like, I think someone someone said a lot at the last, well, it was a fighter. And they were talking about uh, I think my, I, I don't know who it was but they're talking about Duplessis and Strickland and like how low level it actually was and I went I, I, it was before I went back and did the rewatch of it and I was like do you know what they're was, it, was it Ian Gary oh it might have been it actually he, was Ian Gary he was watching it and he was like god this is rubbish yeah. uh, uh, Ian Gary absolutely watching it for the first time not knowing the result at all wink wink nudge, nudge. Uh, but yeah just it, middleweight like I've okay I've shot middleweight so many times but it, it, the fight was good right a lot of Adesanya fights have been good. A lot of the fights in middleweight have been good. What like Duplessis against Whitaker, but like with that said, they're kind of low quality fights, um, and that means anyone could win. Anyone could be the champion. Like uh, let's say Adesanya didn't get the next shot, which he probably will be. I think anyone could beat Duplessis. Anyone could beat Strickland, and they could beat anyone as well at the same time. Until Shamayev comes there, I like. I think Shamayev, Rachmanov, Gary. One of the three of them, or all of the three of them, should fucking move to middleweight because, like, I think there's, I think Ian Gary would be the middleweight champion within two fights. Honestly, like, I think he'd destroy Sean Strickland. I think he'd beat anyone else up there as well. I think the same for Shamayev. But well, what's your take on the whole middleweight, the top of the division? So Elliot Marshall and I had that exact conversation of the like similarities between everybody, and one could beat eight, and eight could beat, at, like, it could be eight to 10 guys that win this title because they're that closely grouped in, in terms of skill and talents and abilities, right? You, you need not look any further than the fact that Brendan Allen is number seven. Chris Curtis is number 13. Chris Curtis blew the doors off Brendan Allen two years ago. Yes. Brendan has improved certainly on a nice run. Happy for his success. Look forward to his next appearance. This is what this division is. I think you're right that Adesanya is the one that stands out above the pack, but he also didn't turn up last time. And so it just creates this really weird, to me, really interesting situation in this division where it feels like we could get, if we're ever going to see some of these guys like the Brendan Allens, like Bo Nickel, like Joe Pfeiffer, have a real run here and replace some of these veteran talents that have been hanging out for a long time. The next 12 to 18 months is when it's going to happen. Chimaev for me is just such a, he's always been such a weird kind of polarizing outlier for me because the talent's undeniable, but he didn't look great against Kamaru Usman coming off the couch. And so it's hard for me to get super excited and super behind a guy for the next title shot when that's his last performance. Now, certainly decisions can be made. I'm going to watch that fight. I'm interested. Absolutely. But like, he's a guy for me that I would love instead of him sitting there saying, I was promised this, just get out there and maul somebody, get back to being that guy that created such buzz and such interest initially where people couldn't wait to see you compete again. Cause right now I don't have that with him. 
I don't have the, oh my God, I can't wait. Because when's the last time we saw him do something like that against somebody that wasn't a short notice opponent? It was October 30th, 2021 against Lee Jing Liang. And you'd wonder what it is with him. Like, I know, like, is it visa issues? Is it this breeding issue? Or is it, like, is it a bit of all that? You know, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but you're right. Like, you are right. Like, he has cooled off a little bit. But you know the one thing with with middleweight as well? And they tried to do it, I suppose, a little bit with your man Abbas Magomedov, I suppose. But I'm surprised they haven't tried to, like, you know... Hot shot somebody Exactly Like whether it, may, it might be Joe Pfeiffer He's a fight coming up I mean that's That's a hundred percent What the Joe Pfeiffer fight is Against Jack Romanson Yeah He's but, got three straight wins All finishes Great story Coming off the contender series Let's just see Right He's a 27 year old kid He goes out there And whacks Jack Romanson We know what that means We know what a win Over the Joker means You gotta be a good dude To beat Jack Romanson I I, well, I, I, I I'm glad they're doing that, right? Because they need to do it somewhere. Same. I'm amazed 100%. they haven't done it with Bo Nickel. Like with all the talk, and I know he's only five fights into his career, but just just do it. Like same like, thing. I yep. think I think they should do it. He's fighting Cody Brun this year at UFC 300. I think that needs to be the end of that with him. Just just let's go. And I know that's probably not the right thing to do per se, but like, but what, there's what some guys that you just. It's funny to me because. There's some guys that you can do it with. And you mentioned Abus Magomedov. I wrote a thing last year for OSDB Sports when he was getting that main event shot against Sean Strickland saying like, this is exactly what we're saying here. This is what they need to do more with guys like Abus that are older. There's no need to slow play this. Mm. If they can't beat the Sean Stricklands of the world, that tells us where we're at now. Sean went on to win the world title. So it changes sort of the, the perception of things, but we've subsequently seen where he falls out. So guys like him, I mentioned Mirza Kanov at light heavyweight, 34 years old. What? Why are we slowly matriculating him up the rankings? He doesn't need to fight Dustin Jacoby and then Vulcan Ozdemir and then whoever is at eight and seven and six. Just get him in there with somebody that's at three or four. And if he can beat them, great. And if not, perfect. We know where you're at. And then with these younger folks, they've got time to rebound. Bo Nickel can recover from losing to a top five middleweight tomorrow because we can all look and go, okay, it was a little too, too much too soon. Why not try it and find out? I'm telling you, if Joe Pfeiffer goes out and wrecks Jack Hermanson, let's say he knocks him out in the first round, that changes the perception of Joe Pfeiffer overnight. And instantly you have a guy that you go, okay, what the fuck is this? Who is this dude? And the UFC has that story ready to roll out. It's been rolled out already. I have that story coming to Fighters Only next month. It's there. He was on the Joe Rogan experience. There's the documentary coming out. I've been fortunate enough to see it. It is phenomenal. Heartbreaking, but phenomenal. Just do this. Do this more often. There's a bunch of guys in the UFC that we should just do this with and give them the opportunity. Because why do we... Why do we need to do the same stale things over and over? I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. But it's up, you know, it's up to the guys to do it themselves more often than not. And that's just the way MMA is these days. Let's talk about welterweight. Because I feel like welterweight is a division. I think it's the best division in the UFC. But it's also probably the division we need to actually discuss least today. Because it's kind of speaking for itself right now, I think. I think... Bilal's going to fight Leon. Is it going to be UFC 300? By the time this comes out, it might already be announced. It looks like that's going to be the way, but who knows with the UFC. Um, 
Looks like Rachmanov is going to be next. And then we have, like, all the fights are, are being made. Ian Gary is fighting against Jeff Neal. Vicente Luca uh, is fighting against Sean Brady. I, I love both of those fights, to be honest. MVP is on his way in here, and he's fighting Kevin Holland. He'll probably be in the top 10-ish. Um, you know, Neil Magny had that great win a couple of weeks ago to kind of keep his spot there as well. So, like, yeah. Jack Della Maddalena fighting Gilbert Burns. Yeah, this division okay. is organized. Yeah. This division is sorted out, and we're figuring it all out the right way. We're taking all of the right steps. Let's move on. Uh, let's, <laughs> I, I hate to just, I hate to just fly past welterweight, but I don't, I don't think, I, I, I think, I don't think it needs to. Let, let's you, talk. You laid it out perfectly, right? Like okay. everything is in line. We're doing the right thing. Every, everybody feels the same way about some of these fights, where it's like, yeah, fine, Bilal gets a shot. Bilal's earned his place. Yeah, he's he's earned this opportunity. You got to give it to him, whether you like his style or not, whether you're super excited about it as the main event of UFC 300 or not, he's earned his opportunity. He should have had it before Colby. We can't go back and change that now as much as we all wish we could. Yes. It is what it is. It is what it is. Let's let's jump to the women's divisions because I want to talk about Kayla Harrison because this is another thing. Do you know when we started the podcast and we were talking about like the negativity of the fans online and stuff and we just mentioned MVP and like I, I put up a tweet about a year ago maybe and I was like, the UFC have passed on Saldich, they've passed on Kayla Harrison as they did at the time when you know she signed for Bellator and they went back for BFL. They've uh, and whoever else was around that there was a few different people like passed on fucking Cyber, passed on Nate Diaz, passed on Francis Ngannou, and it like the UFC have put in like a clear sign over the last few years that we we're going to sign contender series people. We're not going to pay massive money. The UFC brand is solid. We have the SPN deal. We're probably going to easily enough get another deal. We don't need this extra expense. But it feels like that's changed in the last few weeks. And I got excited about that because, like, I want to see all these best fighters fighting all the best fighters, like whether it's in the UFC or like this PFL versus Bellator card, which is fucking brilliant, uh, a fan's delight. Like, um, so when the UFC signed these great fighters, brilliant. But then the, the, like, the reaction is like, oh, those two can crushers, those two bums. I'm like, oh, I, I like MVP is one of my favorite fighters. Like, Kayla Harrison's an absolute beast. Like, her going in there, like a Manny Nunes is talking about coming back, that fight could happen. I'm so excited. And then everyone else is like, oh, no, I hate MMA. Fuck you. I'm like, why? Why? Why are you? Why are you mad at me getting excited about seeing a fighter? Like, what difference does it make to you? Like, this, this is what we were talking about off the top, right? If we're, if we're the, advocates for this sport and even we are like Kayla Harrison dude this is a two-time Olympic champion who absolutely smashed everyone until she lost one fight to Larissa Pacheco who happens to be a monster she's a monster now she's grown up to be a monster and then she went out last November a year after that loss smashed Aspen Ladd and now she's coming over and it's super interesting to me. Now I'm a little bit worried about bantamweight because she's never fought at 35 before she's fought at 55 traditionally or 150 against Aspen lad. But listen, they say she's done some practice cuts. She'll be fine. Away we go. Let's go. Yeah, we we wanted this two years ago. Yeah. And now she's here. And I know you can say, oh, well, it's two years later and she's lost and but doesn't have the shine. And that, there's dude, lots of boxing. people that do. They're like, oh, but it's Holly Holm. Yeah, the Holly, the Holly Holm one is a bit of an it is a bit of odd matchmaking, all right. Like, but I, I, I just want to see her. She, she, she did fight a one forty five in Invicta as well. I'm pretty sure. Why all right. Why aren't they making the one forty five belt? Like, why, why make this for the one forty five belt? 
I know it's not a thing, but build a division around her. Because there's okay. like four people in the division. Yeah, it's true. But if she wants to, if she can make the 135, that is the best case scenario. Because like, then you have a massive, like Pennington, who's Pennington going to fight next? Who the fuck cares or knows? Like, Juliana Pena. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so like, I would much rather see her fight. Yeah. Uh, Kayla Harrison. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I don't know why people, but that, that. If look, she can make, thir- if she can make 35 and she's healthy doing it and looks like the Kayla Harrison we know. I'm way more interested in this division all of a sudden. Me too. Because like we were being coming on here. It might bring it might bring the lioness back. Oh yeah. yeah. Well I, might. I I just I think she was shocked. She was pretty pissed think, off yeah. when she left American Top Team. Mm. And so if Kayla turns up and goes out and just body slams Holly Holm, throws her around the octagon and then says, Hey Amanda, where are you? We might get a lioness come back for the summer and decide. Let's go. Poor old you and me. <laughs> poor we don't need we don't need no belts. Let's just go. I love a poor old Rocky Pennington. She's probably going to be thrown yeah. in there against someone. Uh, well, Raquel can, Raquel can defend her title, and then no, whoever like, has that belt can get thrown into the Lions. It's, she's no, she's probably going to be either thrown in there against Kayla or Amanda. Like, let's be honest, and then they'll Maybe. fight. Like, you know, and so, then they'll do. Yeah, so that'll probably happen in Sac- Canada. So. Sacrifice her for the greater good. Is there is there anyone in that division apart from that? Like the one I would name is Norman Demont. I just have a soft spot for Norman Demont. I think she's a very good fighter. Uh, she was more of a one forty fiver as well, but like she she's had an up and down enough time. The one person as well, other than that, Irina Aldana. I just love the way she bounced back from that loss. I loved it because like that takes. That takes moxie. That takes heart. That, that, like Francis Ngannou couldn't do it. Like he couldn't bounce back the way she bounced yeah. back. Well, and even Massive. in that fight itself, right? Getting chopped down in the first round where we're all like, man, she's not going to be able to last with these leg kicks. And then winning two and three and doing it impressively. She's certainly someone. I wish she was like three years younger. I wish she was 32. And we still had a couple good years. 35, you're starting to get up there. But I mean, with the state of the division, she's certainly somebody that can go out, win mo- win one more, and be right back in the mix. I'm with you on Norma DeMont. I've wanted her to be better than she is. She's done reasonably well as of late. But this division just feels so stale right now. Like, And, and truthfully, there just aren't a ton of 35s out there overall. Like, if you go and kind of scour the internet, jump on Fight Matrix to see who else is out there. It's slim pickings. What's going to happen at 125 pounds? Because when this Aaron Blanchfield versus Mano Fioro fight was made, um, which is coming up here in March, I think everyone everyone's assumption was that Valentina Shevchenko is going to fight Alexa Grasso. Um, is there any reason why that fight hasn't been made yet? Is there someone injured, or what's what's the story with that? Yeah, Shevchenko's still recovering, as far as I understand. Okay, but it looks like that fight is going to be made, is it? I think so. Yeah, That's, okay. That seems to be where they're going. It makes sense, right? They're one zero. Grasso is one zero and one. They they draw. They drew last time out, and so you run it back. You you resolve things, and in the interim, we get. Aaron Blanchfield and Manon Firo to decide who's next. Which, like, again, gives us a good bit of structure there. In the, the only thing I would give out about with that is, like, 
there are there, there are some very good fighters on the way up, but those are the two best by far. And you're pitting them against each other, kind of taking off one challenger. Look, I suppose you kind of have to. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Shevchenko did move up, win or lose uh, after the next fight as well. So, Din, what do you do? Like, it's it's an odd situation, but look. I can't give out to him for making a fight between number four and, or sorry, between number three and number two in the division. So I'm not, I'm not going to complain there. Um, any other prospects coming up in that division? It feels like there's a good few people with like three or four fights in, like the, the two Silvas there, uh, Natalia Forno, three and for, for Karina, you know, the likes of, you know, man, I'm for six fights in their career now. I have a soft spot for Tracy Cortez at, at, uh, at five and oh as well, you know, Macy Barber's eight and two and now it all. There's some, there are a good few fighters, aren't there, that could like take that next step, just something that 135 doesn't have. Yeah, and I think that's that's what this year is is going to be. I mean, the champion right now, Alex Grasso, 30 years old, Aaron Blanchfield, 24, Macy Barber, 25, Natalia Silva's 26, Tracy Cortez is 30, Karini Silva's 30. Like, there's just Miranda Maverick is in her late 20s. Like, there's just this wealth. Casey O'Neill, I know it's two straight losses, still only 26. Like, let's give her time to sort things out. Ariane Lipsky has looked terrific as of late, still only 30 years old. Could turn this or could make this an actual run. She'll get a She's got a big fight. She's got a big fight coming up against Karine Silva. That's going to be an, that's going to be an interesting fight, but like, yeah, this, this division more than any feels like where we're going to see that turnover from the established group to the young set. Macy Barber is set to fight Caitlin Chukagian, who I think is going by her married name now, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, That feels like one where we, Flip positions and Macy Barber's then in the top five. As I said, Natalia Silva, Viviani Araujo coming up. Um, there's just a bunch of fights that this younger set is going to move forward. And we're going to see some of these veteran names start sliding off. Caitlin Chikagian, Lauren Murphy, uh, Jessica Andrade. I believe she's sticking around at 115 because that's the right division for her. So this is this is going to be a year where flyweight, that, that younger group of talent that we've been watching for a couple of years, moves into the younger group of contender status. It's crazy that like when, <clears throat> when we started doing this podcast, that was the weakest division. And now it feels like that's by far the strongest division of 135 and 115 or a bit weaker. And I just wonder, has it kind of taken a bit of talent? Maybe that would have been in both of those other divisions. I, it's And it's difficult. I, I wouldn't that. be surprised either. As you said, Shevchenko go up, go yeah. back up. I wouldn't be surprised to see Caitlin Chikagian go back up. There's a couple individuals here that, you know, if they wanted to move back up and fill out that division and and chase something in that division, certainly an opportunity. And look, as much as people will say, oh, great, more Caitlin Chikagian, it's a established fighter that can move up and be a little bit of a breath of fresh air in that division. 100%. 100%. Uh, 115 then, look, again, pretty straightforward. Zhang Weili's fighting Yan Zhaonan. Oh, I, I think that's a good fight, but like when I heard Suarez was injured again, it's like, oh no, yeah, like that's disappointing. But it, it, it seems like it's not a massive injury, so hopefully, you know, she'll be back pretty quickly. But she she feels a bit like Shemayev as well, in that she obviously yep. was injured for a long time. She cooled off, but then she came back and had a couple of wins. And again, it's you know slowly building, and she's right there. The film is coming out and everything, and then boom, this happens again. But Jesus, like she, it just feels like she's the the interim champion almost in that division. Is 
apart from that, is there anyone else in that division you think over the next ma- year maybe could make a play? Like, let let's say Suarez is, you know, is not not going to be able to fight for the title next after this. The winner of that fight is going to want to turn around. Who do you think are, are the people in contention to get the next shot or around there? I don't know if there is anybody yet, which is what makes Tatiana Suarez getting hurt such a debilitating thing, right? Amanda Lemos steps in for her against Macy against Mackenzie Dern, excuse me, um, coming up here next month. Uh, Verna Jandiroba is fighting Lupi Godinez. So if Lupi goes out and has a great performance, she could certainly kind of hotshot herself into it. She's probably the one person that I would say as a new name that hasn't faced a lot of these top contenders that could put herself in that group. Her skills have improved by leaps and bounds since going down to Guadalajara and training with Alexa Grasso and the team there at, at Lobo um, and Diego Lopez at Brazilian Warriors. She's the one person, but it all just like the Suarez news was so crushing because we went so long. She looked like she was the prince. She was the princess that was promised and just right there on the doorstep. The fight with Nina Nunez is kind of, you know, not what we were expecting. And it was like, okay, what's wrong? Turns out there's an injury and then it's four years. And it just felt like, oh my God, she finally comes back. She looks okay against Montana De La Rosa, gets the win, gets the finish, super excited, goes down, gets the finish against Jess. And it's like, great, she's back. As you said, we all got the press release of the unbreakable Tatiana Suarez documentary that's as coming out. As the injury came out. <laughs> as the injury is announced. God. And it's just like, oh my God. Yeah, it's a long Alanis walk. Morissette starts playing in the background <laughs> and away we go. It's a, it's a long walk back to Kin's Landing for her, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, let's let's move to the flyweight division. I'll be honest here. You're, go, you're going to hate me for what I'm about to say next, right? But I, I'll just say it and then you can tell me why I'm wrong. The second Alexandra Pantoja won this belt, I started getting negative on Flyweight. I'm like, who is Pantoja? I can't pick him out from a lineup. Who like he fought someone there a couple of weeks ago. I can't even remember who he fought. Oh, they, they, oh just it just felt like right, either Moreno or Figueroa was gonna take that belt and then they were gonna defend it like four or five times and build like a legacy, and then we have like Alexandra Pantoja. Over to you, Spencer. No question. That's all. So, just, just, that's it. I like Alexandre Pantoja. I've had a bunch of great conversations with him. I love his story. I love who this man is. I love his dedication to his craft. I agree with you. Oh. And, here, and here's the thing. You see that fight, the, the, the championship fight at UFC 290 against Brendan Moreno. You see the fight... Uh, in December against Brandon Royville. That's who he fought. And there's not going to be, for the most part, you're not going to get these blowout wins, these high energy, exciting performances that we came to be really used to at the top of this division when we had the four-pack between Figueredo and Moreno, what we expect from Brandon Moreno, what we've seen even from dudes like Brandon Royville and Kai Cara France that go out there and it's just hell on wheels. And it makes it tough because it feels like every one of his fights are going to be these close debated decisions because he'll get you down or he'll get you on the fence. And rather than land damage and rather than attack, 
he's going to be content to get two positions. And I absolutely have no issue with that in terms of that is your approach. That is what you're best at. You want to be technical. You don't want to be a wild man. Great. Cool. I understand. It's why I scored the fight with Brandon Moreno for Brandon Moreno. You're out there super grappling and it's great, but he cut you up and busted you up. And you know, you having back control for three minutes when you're not landing anything and then he breaks free and busts you up. It makes it tough. And so I hope we get, I think, see the, the thing that sucks is we're now getting Moreno and Royville. I just see uh, that here in, actually in February Ugh. in Mexico city. Amir Albazi has a bad neck injury. No. just had surgery a couple days ago. Ugh. We're going to end up with Pantoja Moreno again is my, is my sense. And then we got to see, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for Muhammad Makayev and Tetsuro Tyra to just yeah. get into the spot where they're challengers. Because the problem is like, so those are the two lads and the two lads above them in that sort of position where Albazi and Manel Cape and both like, look what's happened to both of them over look, the last few weeks. Like, so Manel Cape, Manel Cape is the, is the one that you're just like, what, what do you, this is an audio podcast, so I'm not helping anybody here, but I'm making the shrug and like shake my head face what are you because doing? <laughs> it wasn't like J- Jesus lad, like just turn up on weight, be professional. You talk all of this. I spoke to him before his UFC debut and he said, end of the year, I'm champion. He's missed weight and been pulled from fights more than he's actually fought. So just get your shit straight. And maybe you could be because talent wise, skill wise, it's right there. But if you can't turn up on weight, I don't need to hear it. I don't, I don't give a shit anymore. I, I, I would tend to agree. And I've always had a soft spot for him, but you're right. I love division, him. Yeah. In that division as well, there's some, there are some good younger fighters like, like Steve Ersig. He's not that young. He's 28, but Joshua Van, only 22 Joshua years of age. Super. Yeah. Yeah. So like lots of people, you, you mentioned Tyara and Mahayev, both only 23 years of age. So if you're looking at young, young talent, you know, that's, that's the division yep. where there is a lot of it undefeated in the UFC. And, uh, that's, I mean, Felipe Dos Santos, yeah, Jeff Molina, great against on, Manal Cape in that short notice fight. Yeah. He's coming back in Mexico City um, as at Maxim fights again, I believe this month against Charles Johnson. Like there, there's some good young talent in this division, and we just need some of them to get some opportunities. And listen, I love. I'm always going to ride for veterans getting their opportunities and sticking around, but like. Start getting some of these young young boys in there with the Matt Schnells and Tim Elliott's of the world, and and change up the landscape of this division. Let's do it. Uh, Bantamweight, we had uh, with three divisions here to go. You know, we're we're. It feels like, and I, I maybe I'm speaking for you here, maybe more than myself, and maybe more for the fans. But like, are we just kind of trying to get over this Cheetah Vera or Matty fight so we can get to the real stuff here? Or like, it, I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. As a fight, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, it makes no sense that Marab was waiting and would have got a title shot two shots ago, only for Sterling. And now Sterling's gone and he's still not getting the shot. That makes no sense. And he's fighting Henry Cejudo. Yeah. Which like, is like... That's the one that... Yeah. That's the... These are the fights that I always do. Like, what are we doing? 
right? Yes. It's the, and look, I understand that the plan was Brandon Moreno and Amir Albazi to go back to flyweight. And now it's the battle of the Brandons, but like, it's the two dudes that lost the last two title fights. And one of them is going to be the number one contender. That's not entertaining to me going forward. Great fight. Looking forward to it. Going to be a, you know, two cats tied in a bag and just scrambling around. But production in terms of going forward, eh. If Henry Cejudo goes out and stops Marab's winning streak, I'm going to throw myself out the window because I don't need to see him fight for the title again. I was quite content with him not fighting. And then he came back. He got his opportunity. He lost. Banish him to the back of the line, as you and I have talked about for many, many years now on this. Why does he lose a title fight and then fight the guy on a nine fight winning streak that should have already fought for the title? This is dumb because if he wins, he's next. Uh, do you think they want to keep Sean the champion and that's why they're doing it? So I think they would like Sean O'Malley as champion. I think that is a little bit of why Chido Vera is getting this opportunity. Obviously, there's a baked in story to it as well. It's easy to just sort of roll this out as this is the one guy that's beaten him and they're going to beak at one another and it's going to be entertaining in that regard, or at least, you know, move, draw people in, in that regard. I think it's a little bit of not really knowing exactly what to do, right? Like Marab beat Piotr Jan, Piotr Jan beat Corey Sanhagen, Corey Sanhagen beat Cheeto. Song Yudong isn't quite ready. Davison Figueredo has had one fight in the division. Umar can't stay healthy and nobody wants to fight him. Like, what else do we do? This is a tremendous division in terms of its depth and its level of talent, but it needs to get organized. It felt like a couple of years ago, it was in really great shape and it was really lined up that it felt this is going to be great. And then we had a couple fights between Sterling and Jan and Sterling was injured. And then we had an interim title fight and TJ showed up for a little bit and it just... It's kind of gone sideways a little bit. It happens so, though. It feels like it happens with these divisions with great talent. It happened like it happened yeah. at 155. I think that's just coming around now. 145 yeah. seems like it's been in continuous flux since McGregor and Aldo's days. Like, and you know, it's. I mean, 170 went through it, right? With days, the yeah. Covington, Usman versus Covington versus Masvidal versus Covington versus. And so every division sort of runs into it at some point, and we're seeing it. I mean, again, we're seeing it I at flyweight. We're seeing it. At, I feel like if we win, like just, okay, twenty twenty four, no rematches. I, 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 I think think it would be great. It'd be great. Like, and I, I rematches make sense sometimes, but like, there's no like big long reigning champion. In, is there anyone right. in the UFC at the moment? Like, apart from Volkanovski, you know, who has gone up to one fifty five for like his last two. Fights, and even so. that, like, if if Volk loses to Ilya Tapuria. At UFC 298, three one, in a row. like of anybody, he is the guy that has merited a immediate rematch. Right, five successful defenses. He's held the belt for 1,500 days. It makes sense, but it would be back to back losses and three losses in his last four fights. And so it's like, maybe you just put one more in there and make sure. Maybe you move him back. You know, you find somebody at six, seven, eight. You stick him in there with Calvin Cater after the Aljamain fight. You stick him in, you know what I mean? Like you see who comes away from that one. 
just to make sure that we haven't hit that 35 and the wheels are starting to come off thing. I don't know that that's the case. Please don't aggregate me here, folks. I think Volk is still like we saw it, right? He lost to Islam the first time, came out and murdered Yair Rodriguez to just remind everybody that I'm still better than all of these clowns. And it might happen again in a couple of weeks time. It may not though. And if it, if it doesn't, I don't need to do Tapuria Volkanovsky too later this year. Yeah, I I could see that, but you know what's weird as well in that division. I suppose kind of uh, to take a, like a sideways point off of that. We talked ad nauseum in this podcast and and on others about the squatters at one fifty five, which I'm going to call them now. <laughs> the the, the Pariers, the Gaethys, and all of them. To be fair. Apart from well, Chander, I wouldn't class him there, but like Gechi fought Fiziev, uh, um, Parias fighting uh, Sandini coming up here. Fair enough, but like you, you mentioned Body Vlaev earlier on about his tweet about Brian Ortega, <laughs> like Brian Ortega and Rodriguez still being ranked in the top five is like what are we what are we doing here? Like, like, do yeah. you know what Brian Ortega's last win was? Can you mm. can you think offhand well, was it when what he it was? was it when he was bald and he came back and won that fight? Was that it? That was like 10 yeah. years ago. <laughs> October 2020. Jesus. October 2020 was the last time he won a fight. Is he, does he have one coming up? Let me look here. He is. I mean, he's fighting Yair Rodriguez yeah, in, fight. in Mexico City. They're least, running that back. But like, that's it. Those are the two squatters just squatting against each other. Like, but like, again, <laughs> why? Are, like, I get running that back because it ended with an injury and it was a fight that everybody was excited for. But like, so we're going to we're going to keep one of these dudes in the top three after they win. Like great, the, the and, fights, and whoever loses is not moving anywhere beyond like six. No, no, or else it's just like we used to talk about the heavyweight division before. Nine would fight seven, and then they'd be ranked nine and seven afterwards. You know, whichever way yeah. it goes. But like, yeah. what really should have happened here was Ortega should have fought Iron Allen, and Ivlaev should have fought Yair Rodriguez, and then we'd have some genuine movement. Like Arnold Allen, I mean, it's, ugh, just the yeah. matchmaking of Arnold Allen over the last. We while. we talked about it on the preview oh, show, myself, Jesus. Ian, and Harry. Of just the like Arnold Allen, that that was the screw up, truthfully, and like not just saying it because we all like and advocate for Arnold Allen, who is now, you know, the situation has gone absolutely, absolutely sideways because it's now two straight losses. But that was the fuck up in this division. We went with another like he should have been next. We didn't do that. Volk went up. We did the interim. He wasn't involved in that. Like that was the screw up because. You put that interim belt on the line. Yeah, year wins it handily. He's then in that mix. He then can't move back down. Josh Emmett is subsequently knocked off another young ascendant. Like, we just keep doing this thing where we're making the wrong fights. Even if Loy of Arnold Allen, it was the wrong fight. It wasn't the right fight to make. And then the no. wrong guy won as well. No. I think the problem as well here, and you, I think you'll disagree with this, but I don't think if live is is good enough yet, like I'm not even close to it. Like uh, I just think he fights. The I think he's he a fights, guy that is super technical, um, and kind of limited in that in that realm. It's never. It's a little bit like Pantoja to me, except Pantoja can have moments where he's just a lunatic because he goes out and charges across the cage and beats the face off of. Alex Perez and then chokes him out. If Loyev doesn't have that, he's just going to be technical. So even though it's undefeated and even though he's beaten, you know, he's rightfully earned his place in the top 10, top five, 
you're not excited about it because it's 29, 28 every single time out. Yeah, that's it. And I say that as somebody that loves this dude, mm. like love him. He could his be like, technique, he could his wrestling, his grappling. It's great, but you're never going to be excited about it. No, he could he, like, he could go to the next level, but it just, it just feels like, I don't know. It, it just feels all a bit odd in that division. And it's, it's such like that fight, you know, between Taporia and Volkanovski, that's my, I think that's my favorite fight of this year. It's, it's just yep. a pity that Volkanovski is coming off of those two, I said two losses in a row earlier on. It's two and three, as you correctly pointed out. Um, but at, at the same time, I love that fight. It's going to be massive. And we're, I feel like we're going to, we're going to talk about that a lot the next time we do the show. But to end this, let's talk about, um, lightweight. Lightweight is, f- you know, finally a division that, uh, is getting moving. Like it's long been talked about as maybe the best division in the UFC along with 35 and 70 probably um you know the only thing that isn't moving i suppose is the championship <laughs> which which might be an issue but as i said paria is fighting san denis uh coming up here we have uh, micano and dober we have saryukin against Oliveira. we have jim miller against bobby green a lot happening spencer is this and, and Holloway against Gaethje as well which I know a lot of people don't like I fucking love that fight I think it's an absolutely great fight where where do you think after all of those fights well, what do you think we'll be left with in terms of a title fight and maybe in terms of a number one contender fight as well so I have what I would like to see and I have what I think we will see give us both let us know so what I would like to see is the winner of the upcoming Charles Oliveira versus Armin Sar, you can fight, get a championship opportunity against Islam Mahashev. Both would be rematches. Both are fascinating to me. Sar, you can, as a guy, as anybody that has listened to this podcast and anything we've done over the years at Severe knows I absolutely am in love with. I think the world of him, he is a tremendous ascending talent. Charles Oliveira is Charles Oliveira. Champion has a name. His name is Charles Oliveira, even though Islam Mahashev is rightfully the champion. That's what I would like to see. One of those two men fight for the title. What I think we're going to see is Islam Mahashev defend his belt against whoever has the BMF title. And so mm. I, I, I'm not even all that mad at that from a like, I get the business of it. I understand Mahashev has done his like, ah, I'm not all that interested in rematches. As always, somebody gets a belt and then all of their ideas that they held before having a belt just go out the window and they start cherry picking and picking their spots. And now it's okay for them to do it because happened to me before. Nobody wants to, you know, write things and stick around with merit. But I think that's what happens. And like I said, I'm not necessarily that mad at it. I think Justin Gaethje, if he beats Max Holloway, has done enough in beating Dustin Poirier and, and Max Holloway to or Rafael, Rafael Fazeev, yes. Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway to merit that opportunity. Certainly can't deny it. If Max Holloway comes up and beats Justin Gaethje, I'm okay with it. Cut the line. Fine. Let's do it. But then we got to get going again. Then we've got to get going. Cause if Benoit St. Denis goes out and beats Dustin Poirier, that dude shouldn't be having to hang around for a long time fighting one of these other, like getting thrown into a, and now you fight. There aren't many guys after beating Dustin Boye that you're like, and now you fight so-and-so it's at most the winner of that. Sorry, you can Oliveira fight for a number one contender spot. And then we shouldn't be doing that either. We shouldn't be similar to the Blanchfield Furo thing. We don't necessarily need to be knocking off one of the two 
emerging untested contenders yet. And it, so it feels like if what you were saying had happened 18 months ago, I would have been mad about it. And I, I think you hit the nail in the head like that you're not mad about it now. Like the fact that Gaethje has fought for ZF and Paria and now he's having another fight. And the fact that, you know, Oliveira lost the title and then he had another fight. He was supposed to fight for the title, but then now he's having another fight again. I'm ha- Whoever gets it, I'm kind of happy with it, to be honest. Uh, yep. here, I, my personal preference, my personal preference would be neither Oliveira or Gaethje. I think one of the other two would be mine because certainly we've, we've seen the two in like in title fights. I think Oliveira, like I, I probably, I'd love Oliveira to get a shot, but like I just know he's going to lose it type of thing. I just think it's a terrible matchup for him. Um, yeah, Saryukin is, hasn't changed and improved an awful lot. I'd love to see Holloway get get a shot, but again, it look Mikashev's a tough fight for fucking everyone. So look, these things happen. Yeah, let's. Uh, Let's end it on, on, on McGregor, I suppose, as always. We don't know. Okay. Is this 185? Is it 170, 155? <sighs> I, I feel like I've been on about three podcasts recently, and I, the first question I was asked is, do you think the fight's actually going to happen? Is it, is it going to happen in June? Is it going to be 185? What do you think? I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. I don't think it can be 185, can it? I hope not. Like, no. That'll just look so ridiculous. That'll just be so like I have a feeling that was just a little bit of mind games from from Conor McGregor to fuck with Michael Chandler and be like, hey, little man, go on out there and start packing on muscle. And then they're going to ship the contract over and it's going to say either 55 or 70, probably 70 would be my guess. I think that's where I always expected them to fight just because Conor got really big and I don't think he necessarily wants to get himself down to 55. I think it happens. My only request is that if and when it does, the winner is kept as far away from championship fights as humanly possible. Well, what about the BMF title? How about that one? That's not a, that's not a real title. So <laughs> so Go nuts. Yeah, not- that is a ceremonial belt that I am. Listen, I am perfectly happy with that thing existing. Everybody, when they rolled it out last year in, in Salt Lake City, people were like, I thought it was supposed to be a one-time thing. I'm all for the pageantry. This is the thing that drives me insane about MMA fans, UFC fans. Sometimes you shout about wanting walkouts and everybody to not have to look homogenous. Now we roll out this belt that has no value whatsoever. Doesn't mean anything other than just being pageantry. And people are like, I thought it was only supposed to be, I thought it was a one-time thing. Let's keep passing that thing around. It's great. We talk online all the time about the violence weight title. Shout out to Kaposa. This is our UFC violence weight title. Let's just pass it around and keep the, you want to defend this thing every six months. Sign me the fuck up. I'm usually the guy that's like, no, only real titles only let's go. You want chaos. You want cool shit. Let's go. I'm fine with that. You want to have Justin Gaethje against one of those two for the BMF title, Max Holloway versus one of them two for the BMF title. Let's fucking go. That's what we should Mm. do. That's who these athletes are right now. They they shouldn't really be in championship fights. They're not contenders. They've just been hanging around for these kinds of fights. I think if it makes those fights easier to make, I'm all for it. To be honest, like honestly, the last time 
whoever fought for it. I didn't, I didn't even know it was on the line until it happened, and then I like immediately forgot. So like, I actually it doesn't bother me at all whatsoever. But just on the McGregor um thing, I I think the fight is going to happen. Like he's he's actually he's been training pretty seriously since the start of the year. I think so. That's that's good. That's a very good sign, and he'll probably need the six months, you know, to get back into that the sort of shape where he would want to be. So, uh, all we need is, I suppose, is is a date. And I don't know why the UFC are not giving it to us. Like it's, you know, McGregor has not been his own uh, biggest help over the last few years, but the UFC certainly haven't been for him either. It's like, I don't know. It's like they they need to. Passing the wind at exactly the same time of night to actually get us a date, and it's—I don't know when that's going to happen. But uh, yeah, again, it's weird. Like the biggest names in our sport, it feels like we just we're stuck in constant limbo with them, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's not great. But other than that, like I feel like the rest of the divisions there, we—I—I I don't think, like I, I don't think I've ever started off a year and been like three weeks into it and have so many fights to look forward to like there's an amount of fights inside and outside of the UFC that I really 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 can't wait for and you know as we were kind of talking about I don't know was it on here or off here at the start there it's like I'm really more concerned now with the best fights than all the fights you know more than I have been in the last how long has it been watching I don't know uh, 18 years 19 years whatever it is I'm like, and and I feel like the the viewing public is able to do that more as well to only concentrate on the biggest and best fights and maybe tune into a podcast or read one of your articles or you know whatever it might be to to check out afterwards a big prospect if they if they hear about them and uh, you know that's not a bad way to consume MMA and if we can do that with the UFC I think we can uh, we can all be pretty happy so anyone I left out Spencer anything I left out any any big names or anything we have um, we covered it all pretty well I think but is there anyone you would like to give a shout out to or anything before we go uh, there's not I, j- I just think you're right like the slate upcoming in the UFC is great over the next three four months like leading into UFC 300 obviously we'll get a bunch of stuff after that outside of the usc as you said um there's a bunch of really good stuff like i don't i don't go out of my way to consume anybody else because i spend so much time writing about covering detailing ufc stuff but like i'm pumped for that bellator pfl champion versus champion show like sign me up let's go we're in a good spot like things are ultimately good i think you're right that the biggest names i feel like this year is a transition year from those established stars and those biggest names in the sport, which aren't the biggest names, aren't the size and magnitude of the big names that we had before. I think we're past those eras. I think we're into a space where we have more really good fighters and fewer superstars. And I think we're going to see some more really good fighters ascend to the top of their divisions and into contention in 2024 and, and 2025 indeed Spencer I've taken up enough of your time I really appreciate it uh, we'll be back I suppose in I don't know when, when, the, when the next UFC off week is to, 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 to do another one uh, I always enjoy doing one. I know a lot of people enjoy uh, tuning in as well so um, yeah that's that We uh, and as well like it feels like there is a v- very busy period as you said between now and 300 and just that because like this 298 
299 card is fucking phenomenal and in 300 is is very good but about to get a lot better i think everyone would probably agree so uh yeah can't wait for that and can't wait to, to do this again if you haven't followed spencer please do at it was at east spencer kite isn't that correct over and no, it's uh, just spencer kite, spencer kite. I, do I, I feel like i always get that wrong anyway check him out over in x and probably threads and facebook and instagram and all those places and uh check out all his good work over there as well if you haven't signed up to the patreon yet please do patreon.com forward slash severe may podcast give us a follow on twitter and instagram and all of that as well at severe may uh podcast on twitter at severe med.com on instagram and i'm at sean ba we leave it there everybody god bless we'll see you next week good luck <laughs>